right, give it up for Jared and the table. Thanks, buddy. Jared. <laughs> so, <laughs> so today uh, we're going to start a new series. It's just going to be a couple weeks here called The Big F. I don't know why this has caused so much controversy. Do you really think, get your minds out of the gutter. Do you really think that we would be talking about that? How many people have a guess of, of what it is? Anybody got a guess? Uh, uh, you're probably all wrong. Anyway, uh, no, you might be right. Uh, so anyway, I'll explain what the F stands for, but I'm not going to do it yet. Before I get to it, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for every person in this place. God, you have such a great plan and purpose for each one of them. Lord, I just ask that today, as we get into the word, that if we need to change in our hearts, in our lives, Lord, that you'll convict us of that. And God, because, uh, because change is hard, I pray that you'll motivate us to change, that you'll encourage us to change, and you'll give us direction on how to change and become the person that you called us to be, that you created us to be. God, give us ears that hear, give us hearts that understand, and give us minds that desire to live like you and to live for you. And, and Lord, let the words that I share not be mine, but be the words that you need me to share today. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. So, uh, to get to explaining this, uh, in our world today, the church doesn't, I, I don't think it really looks like what uh, Jesus had intended originally. In fact, in, in our world today, the church has become something that is just full of division. Do you know that? Like people in the church, it's like, it's like if you're from a different church, you don't get along. If somebody leaves your church and goes to somebody else's church, no longer can you have a relationship with that person. You can't say hi at the football game to them anymore. You know what I'm talking about? You know, in the big B line, oh, they're in line, forget it, I'm out. You know, like, like this, is, this is terrible. In, in our, in, again, in our current culture, I feel like even pastors, it's like it's a competition with the church down the road, like, you know, well, what, you know, it's like we're in competition. Don't you think that's wrong? Don't you think that, that, that that's not the way that, that it was intended to be, that God intended it to be? I think that's a problem. I know, I, I would just say this, something that, that I started doing a while back, um, and, and I do now, is I'll have college students who come up to me at the end of the school year and say, hey, I'm moving to this city, X, Y, Z, whatever. Do you know of a good church there? The answer is almost always no, because I don't know every church in the world. And uh, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that tiny city in the middle of Washington State, sure. Uh, but, but anyway, I, but my advice to them is always go to, go to a church, find a church, go to a church, and after the first service, uh, ask if you can talk to the pastor. If the pastor is too busy for you, don't go back to the church. Um, and then if you do get to the pastor, you need to ask that pastor, hey, um, I'm new to the area. What other churches should I check out? And if that pastor says there's no other churches to check out, you should stay here. Don't ever go back to that church. Because there's lots of great churches in every city. We've got a bunch of great churches in this city, and I recommend other churches all the time to people if this isn't the, the family that they fit into. I have no problem doing that. So for that matter, if today you're like, I'm not sure, where should I go? Come talk to me. I'm not afraid of telling you where to go, where you can get fed and grow in your relationship with God. But the problem is, is in our society, church is so divided. I don't think that's what Jesus meant when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The scripture, he actually says in Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Say all creation. Jesus didn't say, go, uh, go into all the world and find people who agree just with what you agree with and, and pick like three words out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and base everything you believe on that and then tell all of those people that any church that doesn't teach exactly, exactly the thing that you teach or they focus on something else that they're all wrong. I don't think that's what Jesus said. I think Jesus said, go out and reach all creation for God. 
and the church has not done a good job of this. And I think that needs to change. And, uh, and so anyway, um, in pastor circles, there's a certain uh, terminology that we use to talk about churches and then to talk about the whole church in the world today. So when we're talking about a local church or an individual church, pastors will say the little C church, like the, the small C church. But then when they're talking about the church in general worldwide, they call it the big C church, okay? Like the universal, this is, this is God's people across the whole world, the big C church. So uh, you see where I'm going with the big F now? No, you still don't get it. Anyway, uh, so... So, Pastor, why didn't you say the big C? It's because uh, the big F is more provocative. No. <laughs> it's because what is church really supposed to be? Family. Not the small family, but the big family. The big F. The family. We're supposed to be the family of God. And, and family is found throughout Scripture. In fact, God uses family as an example for being part of, of the kingdom of God, being, being part of this faith, more than he uses any other example in the whole Bible. It's all family. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's an easy way for, for us to talk about what family is, is really supposed to be. The truth is the church is supposed to be a family. And now maybe you grew up in a family that just is, was a mess. And maybe for you, you think about family and you think, oh, this, this is, you know, I don't like the idea of family. Well, I'd like to just tell you that God has a specific layout and plan and an order of how family's supposed to look. And if your family was a mess, it probably didn't line up with God's order of how family's supposed to look. Nothing against your family or against your situation. I'm just saying when family is done right, God's way, family is probably the thing that is more motivating, encouraging, supportive, and future, like legacy setting up than anything else in the world. That's why God uses family, you know? So I got to ask you this. How many of you had parents? Some people did not raise their hands. I'm just trying to see who's listening this morning. Obviously, you all had parents, but I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, the phrasing in the Bible that we hear over and over and over and over is that it calls God the Father, right? Everybody say Father. Father. You know, because the Father in a, in, a, in a family the way God lays it out, the Father is supposed to be the driving force in the family. He's supposed to be the one that's, that's bringing direction and, and, and motivation, and he's supposed to be the provider. He's supposed to be the encourager. He's supposed to be um, the protector of the family. So it's no coincidence to me that the Bible uses the, the, the title of Father for God. And, and so God want, the thing is God wants to be a father for you. And there's a lot of people who, who maybe have accepted Christianity or raised their hand and said a prayer for Jesus or whatever, and, but they've never really allowed God to be the father of their life and to lead and direct, to guide and protect their life. And, uh, and so, but God wants to be this for you. And, and it's no wonder that, that people without God as their father struggle because when we look at the physical comparison to this, our actual world life here, literally, people without fathers tend to struggle more than people with fathers, right? You don't have to take my word for it, and, I'm not, and, and I don't want to offend anybody here if you're in a single-parent home or you grew up in that. But, but statistically proven, 
it shows that the, the percentages of things in your life that, that are going to happen or could happen are much higher if you live in a fatherless household. So these are the stats from the National Fatherless Initiative. This is a big initiative that's going, doing studies all across the, the United States and trying to mentor young, uh, young adults and, and children who don't have fathers in their home. These are the stats. Now, let me just give you the stats on fatherless homes. So this, these are children that are in homes where they don't have a father, this is the, the, these are the facts. Uh, they're four times greater, uh, have a four times greater chance of, of living in poverty, like long-term in their life. In fact, 47% of kids that grow up in a, in a fatherless home end up living out their life at, below the poverty level. Okay, they're, If they're a girl, they're seven times more likely to have a teenage pregnancy. Seven times. Okay, They're two times more likely to drop out of school this is crazy to me. They're 297% more likely to deal drugs. And they're two times more likely to struggle with obesity. And, and so I, there's a whole bunch of them, and these are just some of them. But, but this is the truth of our society today. One in four children live in a home without a dad. And, and, and these are the things they struggle with. Now, I know that you may have grown up in a house without, without a father, and you're doing great. And, and that's why these are percentages. It doesn't mean that every child will end up that way. But when you have a father in the home, it puts you at such an advantage. How much more of an advantage spiritually would you have if you would follow your father? Take this now from the, the literal, like, physical here with your physical family and translate it back to the spiritual. God wants to be all of that for you. He has so much in store for you. He wants to be your father to help you achieve these things and to help you like, move through life in a successful way. You need a father. Everybody say, I need a father. You need a father. And, and especially if you are a person who did grow up in a, in a uh, single parent home or, or with, without a father in your life, then you, re, you need God the Father too, just as much, maybe more, to help guide you and help you become the person that he created you to be. You need a father. And this is the thing, God, God wants to be your dad. I always get a little, I, I don't know, I've got this thing. You ever ha- hear somebody call uh, God daddy? Anybody heard that before? Okay, I'm the only person in the world. Okay. That's always, that's always seemed odd to me just personally, but then again, when you really think about it, if you're really living as God as your father, then you should, you should call him daddy. I, my, my son uh, the other day called me daddy, and I don't know why. Like, uh, he, they do it all the time, but like, I stopped and I noticed that he called me that, and it was like, you know, it's like a term of endearment, right? You know, we, God wants to be your dad. He wants to be there for you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to give you direction, and he wants to protect you. He wants to do all the things that, that really what a physical, you know, earthly father should have done for you as well. You need a father. The thing about God, though, is that he is a father who will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never let you down. He will, never, he will never leave you high and dry. He's a God who can do it all for you. We need a father like that. The, the maybe best part about God is that he can redeem you. Because your, your physical father here, he can forgive you, he can help you, he can support you, he can all, do all of that. But you know what your physical father can't do, whether you had one in your life or not? He can't redeem you from the things you've done in your life. 
But your father, God, wants to redeem you. He wants to set you on a new course. He's got a whole new life for you. And you just have to say, I want you to be my father. 1 John 3, verse 1 says this. This is the explanation, really, of this. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Everybody say children. children. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So what it's explaining is that, that the world, people in the world, they're just lost because they're not part of the family of God. They don't know God. But when you become a follower, when you become part of the family of God, then everything opens up to you. Verse 2, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has, has not yet been made known. But what we know that when Christ, or sorry, I can't even talk today. I'm struggling. Uh, verse 2, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not been made known. But we know that when Christ appear, we, appears, we shall be what? Like him. For we, we shall see him as he is. Verse 3, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. This is so cool, by the way. Because becoming part of God's family means that you now have a full change of identity. You're not, you're not identified by the family you were in before. You're not identified by the things that you've done before. You have a complete change of identity. You're pure. Why? Not because you did something to make yourself better, but because he is pure. Your life has been completely changed, and you're now identified with God instead of being identified with the world. You know, um, I think family is just, it's, it's, we need to get into the mindset and the understanding that we are part of the family of God. Say, I'm part of the family. This, this says that, w- that, that when you make Jesus Lord, that, that, that you become children of God, that you're raised. You remember two weeks ago I had everybody take their right hand and raise it up because it says that we've been raised to the right hand of the Father. No longer, we're not just brought into like the outside part of the house. We're actually brought in to sit next to Jesus by the throne. You're not, you're not, one, of the, you're not one of the people in the court looking at the king and the royal family. You become part of the royal family. You get full access to everything that God has for you. You become a child of God. It says that we become like Jesus. That second verse says that we should become like him. And Jesus is God's what? His son. Jesus is God's son. And this is why the Bible explains that we're we're co-heirs with Christ. is because we literally have become a brother or a sister of Jesus. We're all part of the big F. You guys can laugh at that. It's okay. Every first service, they're just silent. Every time I said it, I don't care. Um, I think this is a problem that we have in Christianity today. Is that you may have said the prayer, you may have raised your hand, but you never walked into the house of God. You feel like you're on the outside. Don't raise your hands, but have you have you really felt like? Since you made Jesus Lord of your life, you've actually walked into the presence of God all the time. Maybe some of you have, but I'll bet there's a lot of people here who feel like they're on the outside. You know, Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants. You don't live on the outside of the house. You don't just get to do work in the house, but I call you friends. You come into the house. You're now part of the family of God. And I think so many people, so many people, 
They've made Jesus Lord of their life. They, they maybe have said that they have intention to be part of the family of God, but they're not living as one of the family members of God. Like, think about it. it maybe you've been adopted. I'm sure there's some people in here who were adopted. Who li- you, you grew up in a home with parents who were not your biological family. Well, that's, that's amazing and that's great. I know in first service there were a number of people here who grew up in that situation. So your parents... Your, your adopted parents, they chose to adopt you, but do you know you can choose to not agree with that adoption? Like you still might have to live in their house, but you may still never feel like you're part of their family, or you can choose to take on the identity of the family and to carry out the legacy of that family. The choice is not the parents. The choice is yours. So when you chose the father, you were supposed to walk into the house and take on the identity of the father. You following me today? So we're all part of the family of God. And you don't have to take my word for it, whether or not you're part of the family, whether you're part of everything that's going on with God. Take Jesus' word for it. In Matthew 12, 48, uh, he was asked, who's your family? And Jesus replied to him in verse 48. He said, who's my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and, he, and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and my mother. So Jesus is saying, hey, when you, when you make, make Jesus Lord, when you do the will of the Father, you become part of my family. How many of you want to be part of the family of God? See, I think the, the, the thing is, is that we as Christians are doing more to divide the family than to bring the family together. You might disagree with me, uh, and that's fine. I, I don't care. You can disagree with me. But, uh, but in the last 60 years in the United States, our political leaders, whether you agree with who they are or what party they're part of and all of that or not, our political leaders have been trying to unify people and bring people together in the United States, yet we are more divided now than we have ever been. And you, again, you can disagree with me. That's fine. But even Donald Trump has tried to, tried to unify a lot of people in this country, and instead we have become even more divided than we've ever been. And, and so this is not the way that God intended us to live, Right? And I'm not just talking about everyday people. I'm talking about Christians. You get in a conversation about certain subjects with with Christians, and you, you watch the fireworks go off, right? And I think that this is completely contradictory to the, to the way that God wants us to live. God wants us to be unified as the family, right? How many know that a house divided fails pretty quickly, right? And so if you're in the house of God and you're causing division, then you are in the wrong. And I just want to say this, a lot of people are still children in the way that they think, in the way that they type on Facebook. You say you're old and grown, but you're not, because we see what you type. We need to grow up and stop being people who divide others. And I want to just tell you, if you're trying to divide relationships in church, or in your own home, or at your workplace, you are wrong, and you need to change. It is not up to you to divide people apart. God says that we should be a people who are joined in unity. This should be a place where you feel unified with people, where you get closer with people, not where you push each other apart and you divide everybody. God's desire is that you and I would be unified, that we would be unified as as a church, that we would choose to work together. This is why he calls us family. Because in God's plan for family, we're supposed to be unified.
We're supposed to be unified. And, and here's the thing. like We need a father to bring us together and to lead us. But you know what we also really need? Is we need siblings. We need each other. You need each other. You need each other. Turn to your neighbor, look him right in the eyes, and say, I need you. Don't be creepy. Real plutonic. Real. Put your jacket between the two of you. It's getting weird. You need each other. Have you ever noticed how only children are a little off? You ever notice that? You're probably an only child. You're off. There's something about you that's just different about only children. It's really, it really is true. Um, and you, you, might, you might disagree, but you're wrong. Um, so, and, and let me just explain this. It's because your parents catered to you from, like, birth on. And, and so you've been just babied and taken care of like, like sick. Anyway... And I can explain this to you because, like, we had our, I remember when we had our first child, Jackson, and, you know, if you've, if you've had kids, you know what it's like, like, you're totally, like, obsessed with caring about them and, like, you know, you, you, you like, hit their head on the corner of the coffee table and you're real concerned and, and I, I, I didn't do that. But uh, I remember when we got, our, got him home for the first time, we had a little bassinet next to the bed and you're, you're listening, you're like laying in bed listening to their breathing, like just keep breathing, just keep breathing. Like Dory from, from, uh, from Finding Nemo, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep breathing. And then like you can feel like the whole night your heart's like pounding out of your chest. You're so nervous about this kid. You have your second kid, you're like, hey, coffee table. <laughs> It'll be good for him. It'll harden their skull a little bit in that spot. It's good. It'll be totally fine. This is why you single children are weird. And, um, but we love you anyway. Uh, no. I, like, we need each other. We need people around us to help us. We need people around us to support us. We need people to encourage us. Everybody say encourage. encourage. You know, when they're talking about the church, they say that, that they should not give up assembling together. And then why? Right after it, it says, so that we can continue encouraging one another. Part of why the big F is so important is because families encourage, should encourage one another. You should be encouraging one another. You should be thinking about the people you're sitting next to today. And if you knew they were going through something, you should be choosing to encourage them. You should be choosing to, to try to lift them up. To try to, and, and together, we are better. Together, we can make a difference. You know, we can, we can fulfill God's plan for, for this place, for Big Rapids and surrounding area, wherever you go out and end up moving to someday. You can, you can because of this family, you can make a difference. In big families, families where there's, there's more than, well, not big families. In families where there's more than one kid, the, the siblings tend to, like, push them to excel faster. And they'll do things that, that, the, that the firstborn child or even sometimes the secondborn child don't, don't do as quickly. We have five, and our last, uh, our youngest one is three. And the kid is like Superman. It's totally crazy. He, he like, he can do everything that our eight-year-old can do. And, and, like, we have a zip line, and he'll be like, ah! on the zip line and, and, and he, just, he just does it. He rides a bike. He does all these different things. He's three. And, and now, of course, 
our older kids, they didn't move that fast. They didn't sell that fast. Why, why is he where he's at? I mean, statistically, scientifically, uh, kids that are further down the sibling line tend to excel quicker. It's, it's because they're around people who are encouraging them to do it. People who can do it, people, they, they see these older siblings and they go, I see them doing it. That means I know I can do it. You should be looking at each other going, I see them doing it. That means I know I can do it. Not just I see Pastor Ross doing it. I see them doing it. So I know that I can do it. I know that I have the ability within me. You all have the ability within you. I heard that Pastor Doug last week said that you all are ministers, that he's not the only minister on this stage. That is so true. Because I can't change Big Rapids, but we can change Big Rapids. We need each other. So on the other hand, the other day, Owen fell off the zip line from 10 feet up. He's like, I got blood! <laughs> but guess who was the first one to get to us? Not Owen. It was all the other kids. Owen's hurt! He's hurt! We gotta help him! We gotta get to him! And, and Harper's like, I'll get the Band-Aids! And then the other kid's like, I'll get the Neosporin! And they're like, Woo, all over the house. And, and they're back to us before he even gets up there, and he's, he's got like a few little scratches. And they're like, let's see the blood, Owen. And then they all circle around him, and they're trying to put the Band-Aids on and all this stuff. And, 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 but, but what I see there is that when one of the family is hurt, the other family comes around them to support them. When one of you is hurt, when one of you needs help, the family comes around to support and makes the difference in that person's life. Yesterday, we spent three hours at uh, some people's house. There's a family in our church, and the husband's been pretty ill. He's, he turned 86 this last week. Last year, he cut and chopped and stacked all of his wood by himself at 85. So he's been ill this, this summer, and so we went over. Yesterday, we had 35 adults show up. We stacked a year and a half worth of wood in three hours. Cut, split, and stacked a year and a half worth of wood in three hours. Watch what we can do as a church family. Now, I know there's a thousand of us here, not in this service, but overall at our church, something like that, ballpark. And you know, a thousand didn't pe people didn't show up. But man, if 35 people would show up every time there was a family in need or there was a group of people who needed help, talk about encouraging. Talk about how excited you could get about being part of the family of God. God wants us to make a difference. He doesn't want us just to be, you know, inside these four walls all by ourselves on Sundays. He wants us to go out and to reach the world. It's not a competition. We're not competing with any other church in town or any other pastor. We're, we should be out there going, we're part of the big F family. I didn't flip you off. I did an F with my fingers. <laughs> That's going to be the new thing. Res Life people driving down the road see each other like, That's great. I would not do that. But gosh. So when are you going to choose to be part of the family? Because God wants to be your father. And his house is large. It could fit all of you. Since it's second service, I'm going to go a couple minutes longer. Because there's something I want to say that I said for a service I shouldn't have said, but I'm going to say it now. 
You know, you're all, you're, you were each at one point or another part of a family. Whether it was a family with one parent or two parents with no siblings or siblings, maybe, I don't know, maybe your family was other people who lived in an orphanage with you. I don't know. But you were all part of some sort of family. But there's no greater family than the family of God. There's no family like this family. But you have to choose. You have to choose if you want to be in the family. You have to choose if you want to be part of it. Because God wants to be your father. He wants you to be there. He loves you. You matter to him. Now, I don't know about you parents, but um, I, think, I think some people feel like they're second rate Christians or like somebody's better than them or this or that. And, and let's be honest, parents, we all have a favorite child. <laughs> right? You do. Stop it. I do. <laughs> but it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter which one of them it was that was hurt or that was struggling. You love them so much. God doesn't play favorites. He doesn't have a favorite child. He loves every one of you. He loves me. He loves every one of you. And he wants to be your father. He wants to provide for you. He wants to protect you. He wants to motivate you. And he wants to give you vision for your future. You know, God has a legacy for his family, right? His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, he wants heaven to be here and he wants you to be in it. But you got to choose. Are you going to walk into the door of the house of God and say, I'm going to be part of this family. I'm going to bring unity to this family. I'm going to be used to, to push forward the legacy of this family. Or am I going to stay on the outside of the door? Am I going to stay in the shadows of the house? Am I going to not participate? Because, guys, if we would step in and participate, just think of what God could do. The sky is the limit here. We could make a difference that would create a, a place where God is, revival's happening, God is moving in ways we've never seen, but we got to do it. So can you do it? Would you do it? Would you step into really being part of the family of God? I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you Today's the day. Today is the day for you to say, I'm stepping in and I'm going to start following God and I'm going to start allowing him to lead my life and I'm going to become part of, of starting here, this family, but really the big family of God. Let's bow our heads. With everybody's eyes closed, I just want you to take a minute to think about yourself. Have you walked into the house of God and have you made yourself at home there? Have you decided that you're going to really make God your father and that you're going to really focus on living as part of the family of God? Because God wants you there, and I know all these people here, they want you to join in and be brothers and sisters, co-heirs with Christ and co-heirs with them. Just wait a minute. It's all right. I just want to pray over you. Father, you know every heart of every person here. You know what they're struggling with. You know where they need a father. You know where they need to change. So God, I pray that today, maybe they're getting some conviction in their heart that they need to step up. They need, to st they need to start providing and being part of what the family is doing here and throughout our city, throughout our country, throughout everywhere. 
God. And so I ask that you'll open doors and you'll motivate and give people vision for how they can be used to be part of the family of God, to bring unity to the family, to move forward the legacy, the plan that you have for all of us and for this, this earth and for these people. And God, I just pray that each one of us will find fulfillment as we step out and do the things you direct us to do. God, that you will move us towards this destiny and this, this legacy you have for our lives. If you're here today, right now, and you've heard me talk about destiny or, you, or God's plan for your life or things like that, and that's new to you, I want to tell you that you can, you can begin a new life today. One that it's not your job to make things right. It's your job to love God and to love other people and allow God to change you. That today you can begin a new life. One with purpose and direction. One where you know you're going to heaven someday, but really it's not about someday. It's about today and about how God wants to use your life today and how fulfilling that will be and how it will change your life forever. So if you're here and you know you want to make Jesus Lord, I know you might also be thinking that you've got so much baggage and so many things in your life that you've done wrong, that God could never accept you. I want to be clear. God is not repelled by those things. He's drawn to you because of those things. It says that Jesus is the Savior and you need saving from those things. He wants to save you today. But it's up to you to call God Father and to walk into the house. So I'm just going to ask you, if today you want to make Jesus Lord of your life and begin this life together, just right you're at, where you're at, would you lift your hand up? Is there anybody who knows they want to do that today? Awesome. I see those hands. I'm going to ask you to do something today. I'm going to ask you to grab the hand of the person next to you with everybody's eyes still closed. And I want you to come right up here to the front. I'm going to meet you up front. Another pastor is going to meet you up front. So come on up right now with everybody, everybody's eyes closed. Come on. We're going to wait. Awesome. As they're coming up as well, if you're watching online, Jesus will meet you right where you are. We're going to say a prayer together here, and this is you making Jesus Lord of your life. So, the Bible's really clear. It says that getting saved and becoming part of the family of God is twofold. The first is that you, you believe Jesus died for you, that he, that he is, uh, that he's done everything the word says so that you don't have to pay the price anymore. And that the second thing is now your life changes and, and the actions and the things you say and the things you do, they say you love Jesus, you love other people, and that you're living for him. It declares that Jesus is Lord. So we're going to pray together. We're all going to say this prayer together, and then we're going to celebrate. All right? So if, if you're making this decision today, and everybody in the church, let's pray this prayer together and make Jesus Lord. Say this with me. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, defeat the grave, and to rise again so that I could be saved. I was a sinner. And I needed forgiveness. Thank you for giving it to me. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. I choose to live for you from this day on. Speak to me. Lead me. And guide me as I follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Woo!
All right, awesome. Woo. All right, so I'd like you to just follow Pastor Dom. Pastor Dom's going to take you out and talk to you about the next steps, and you can meet your friends and family in the foyer after. Come on, give it up for these guys one more time. Woo! Aren't we glad we have a Father in heaven and a family here to rejoice with? Amen.